0: You're listening to Remote Possibilities, a podcast on the intersection of technology, society, and education. Brought to you by MarketScale. Now here's your host, Kevin Hogan.
1: Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Remote Possibilities, the podcast that explores the promise and perils of distance learning. I'm your host, Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. With me today is Scott Kinney from Discovery Education. Scott has nearly 25 years experience in the fields of professional learning and education technology. As Senior Vice President of Educational Partnerships, Scott collaborates with educators and administrators around the world to develop and implement customized solutions that empower them to meet strategic goals and build modern digital learning environments that support student achievement. Under his leadership, Discovery Education is serving 3 million educators and over 30 million students around the world, and they are transforming teaching and learning in half of U.S. classrooms, over 40% of all primary schools in the U.K., and in more than 50 countries. Most importantly, uh, Scott is also a diehard Eagles fan, as am I, Uh, so that of course takes first priority, and we are both uh, I expect, uh, hoping to see the the birds return to the uh, to the field soon. Is that true, Scott? Uh, I I I hope to
0: be there. That's for sure. Hey, Kevin, great great to join you today. And uh, I I did like the most importantly
1: part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying to keep things in context, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, but uh, the you know, the real reason we wanted to talk today is uh, I've been starting to track the way that industry, the EdTech industry specifically, is responding to these, um, you know, these terrible events that we're, we're, we're undergoing and have noticed that uh, Discovery has taken an, a lead role and has had many announcements over the past several weeks about how your company is responding to that. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the first steps that you've taken?
0: Yeah, so we, we recognized uh, fairly early uh, this was going to be a, a pretty big shift in the, in the way teachers engage with their students uh, across the U.S. and across the world, uh, and so wanted to do what we could. I mean, we, we're pretty focused at Discovery Education. Um, you know, we, we provide engaging digital content, um, as you mentioned, to about half of the U.S. schools. Uh, we're in about 70 countries worldwide as well. Uh, reach about 45 million students um, uh, on a regular basis. Uh, And the other thing we focus on quite a bit is professional development, professional learning, and how do we support teachers in in really delivering engaging content in innovative classrooms across the world. And so our focus and our response was really geared towards those two things. Uh, And so pretty early on, we said to folks, um, we have a flagship service called Discovery Education Experience, uh, it was built off our streaming platform that's that's been uh, in in classrooms for almost two decades now, uh, and we provided that at no cost to districts who uh, weren't already partners of ours uh, through the end of the school year, uh, and we had 15,000 schools in the U.S. alone take us up on that offer, and so uh, really exciting to 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 provide them the supports and, and the um, content they need to reach their kids. Uh, as they were dealing with kind of this new environment that they're uh, that they're they find themselves in, given the COVID-19, uh, and and I think one of the things that we've seen is just uh, the use of those services and the use of digital content within our portfolio has has just uh, really been incredible. Um, you know, our, our usage is up well over 80% uh, year over year, uh, and so we've seen those spikes take place that kind of you you would think would take place in an environment like this. Uh, aside from that, oh, sorry, Kevin, question?
1: Well, I was going to say, but you guys have had um, that infrastructure in place, right? I've been covering you guys for years and through the use of the tech books that students have all been able to um, be remote with, with their learning. But have there been anything specific uh, since this has transformed to where your corporate focus maybe has gone from a like a district level to a home level?
0: Yeah. So we, it's a great question. Um, We've provided, built and provided a number of supports uh, within, within about 30 days, incredibly proud of the discovery education team. Uh, I think I mentioned you right before we went on uh, Saturday will be my, my 15th year here at discovery education. And, and uh, you know, there are a couple of times where you kind of get your back against a a wall. Uh, And and I love that the character it brings out within an organization because what we saw was um, people just working all night trying to provide different supports and different content for teachers as they're going through this. One of the things very specifically we did was we actually launched a coding service um, uh, and provided that at no cost to districts uh, that are going through the pandemic. Uh, and that, that was regardless of if you were a customer of ours, not a customer of ours or a partner of ours, historically, uh, coding was pretty cool for us because we actually brought it over from the UK. Uh, it was built first there when they developed a, uh, a countrywide curriculum around coding. Um, You know, teaches block coding in Python and HTML. Uh, But what we thought was really ethical about that was that it really is uh, student-centered and student-directed. So it was something that, uh, aside from all the the wonderful assets that you can typically assign to students within our services, uh, this was one where we felt like students could get on, they could be self-directed, they could get into coding, uh, work through the services. So we made that available to literally 50,000 accounts within the U.S. Uh, overnight uh, by, by provisioning that to folks. Um, aside from that, one of the other things I was going to mention is just the professional development and the professional learning piece of this. I mean, this truly is a unique way to deliver instruction. And so, uh, you know, you've mentioned that people have used our infrastructure and used our services. They have, but they've, they've used it in, in mostly a, a traditional setting. Uh, and so, sure, we, you know, we work with virtual schools uh, on a regular basis, but The majority of our work is with public schools that are delivering in a classroom setting. Uh, And so it was a shift in the way they deliver that content. So we've hosted uh, just in the last 30 days over 150 uh, online events, uh, reaching literally over 20,000 educators. Uh, And and we actually tallied up the numbers. We have all 50 states, Uh, we have 17 countries where we had educators attend from. Uh, so we're really seeing a lot of hunger around how do i really use these services in this new environment that i find myself in uh, which i think has is, is been something that we've rallied around is how do we make sure that we provide those professional learning opportunities
1: something that uh, i've been dealing with here with my three beta testers uh downstairs one's a freshman in college one's a, a sophomore in high school and one's an eighth grader in terms of uh, this whole new remote learning scheme i had been more involved in their studies and finding out more about their curricula uh, than ever before, which in a lot of ways is is, is a positive. Um, have you noticed uh, a pivot to parents being more interested in your products and services? And if so, do you have any plans to do any sort of professional development for, for parents?
0: Yeah. So, so, so yes to both those questions. I think one of the, we definitely see parents more involved. I, I have three of my own um, Mine are a little bit older. I my my uh, oldest daughter yesterday did her virtual college signing uh, for Bloomsburg University. My my oldest oh, so, Yeah, I was pretty proud of her for that. Uh, and so. I think one of the things that we're seeing is is the need to provide those supports. We actually launched something called DE at Home, um, which is a subset of content that parents can use with their stu- students uh, or their their children. Sorry, not their students, um, but the parents can use with their children and students, I suppose. In this case, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for 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 modules of learning activities that, that they can kind of grab from our site and go. Um, we're also shortly launching something called STEM at home, which is similar with it, with certainly a focus on uh, science and technology, engineering and math. Uh, so very focused on how do we make sure that we provide the supports for uh, parents specifically that they need in, in an environment where they're doing a lot more of the instruction than, than maybe historically. Now,
1: how about from uh, an international uh, perspective, uh, as we mentioned in your, in your intro, that um, you, you have uh, educators around the world uh, that are using your products and, and services. Have you seen any distinction between uh, responses from, from one country to another or ways innovative ways in which they have made the shift to remote learning? Yeah, I
0: think it certainly varies from region to region. Uh, so, uh, as I mentioned, we have a, a business uh, that's in uh, that's in the UK. Uh, it looks and feels a lot like uh, our experience platform here in the U.S. Uh, so they provide both uh, supplemental digital content to schools, and, and they're going through the same types of things. They're seeing um, usage spikes within their services. They're seeing uh, parental engagement. Um, they're, they're One of the features that they have in the UK that was a little bit different here in the U.S. is, is uh, home access is an add-on where in the U.S. we we make that available at no cost Uh, and and so they provided that at no cost to to all their partners uh, which as you can imagine was incredibly well received. Uh, We actually work pretty cool partnership that we have with the country of Egypt um, where we actually uh, host something called the Egyptian Knowledge Bank Um, and so uh, through their leadership they actually have a countrywide portal that they make available uh, with digital content. Some of that's ours, Uh, they also integrate some uh, some other folks, digital content as well. Uh, so they have a unified response, and and it wasn't a response to this. Um, they've had that in place for several years now. So the nice thing about that is, uh, you know, given the consistency of national standards in, in Egypt, and given the consistency of them leading that at the at the country level, uh, they were able to continue providing that resource, which really, uh, you know, obviously provides a lot of supports as, as we deal with the COVID nineteen pandemic.
1: Right, right. That kind of uh, inspires a question for me about the assessment aspect of all of this uh how i mean this spring standardized tests canceled right state standardized tests canceled um is there going to be even an attempt to assess what has happened can you collect data on, on what's happened uh maybe even just through the usage of your of your stuff
0: Yeah, I I certainly think, you know, there are different ways to measure engagement Um, and and by providing content digitally. As as you know, Kevin, there there, are lots of ways to look at use or lots of ways to look at engagement and logins and those types of things. Uh, We've always focused specifically on formative assessment. We've never been a company that that has kind of looked and aspired to be a summative assessment company. Um, But from a formative assessment perspective, I think the short answer is absolutely. Uh, you know, within the tech books, and you mentioned uh, tech books earlier, within our science and social studies and math tech books, uh, there are, there's formative assessment throughout. There, there are constant checks for understanding. There's constant tools to, to do those, you know, from uh, interactive calculators to ways to, to collect data through interactives uh, within the, the software itself, uh, and then to take that information and to dashboard that into a dashboard for, for teachers, for uh, you know, to aggregate that at the school level, at the district level. Uh, so I think we're consistently uh, and constantly collecting feedback, uh, making sense of that feedback, providing that back to teachers and students uh, in a format that um, makes sense to them and is actionable. Uh, we, we at Discovery Education stop short of, of formative assessment. Uh, so that's, I'm sorry, stop short of summative assessment. Uh, so that's not a, a business that we get into. Uh, and we, we let that to the big boys. Uh, right. to do some of the assessment <laughs> testing.
1: <laughs> how about how about in terms of, you know, with screen time now uh, up to such a degree and students really staring at their computer screen, how about the use of other pieces of content, kind of say, you know, beyond the scope of, of what you're offering? What, one interesting thing I found, just again with my beta testers here, my eighth grader was studying... Um, First World War, and the teacher had recommended they watch 1917. And uh, just in conversations about it, I was like, well, you know what? You should really watch Paths of Glory with, you know, by Stanley Kubrick and starring Kirk Douglas because mm-hmm. it looks exactly the same. And we ended up going on this down-the-internet rabbit hole <laughs> in, in terms of, of content on curriculum about World War One, And then even we went to Wikipedia and because I had a question about, you know, we worked into other world wars and I was like you know, battle of the Bolds, where was that and then we went and draw on those resources is that something that um there is a a part of that to to your products and services or is that shifting now because of really the primary resource being the screen
0: yeah i think i mean there's there's kind of two ways to answer that i think the first way i would answer that is um you know i've i've been in educational technology a long time and, and one of the the early arguments that, that people got is you know we don't want kids staring at screens all day long um and n- nor do we right at discovery education and and my yeah my correlation to that is like hey we've had textbooks for a long time in this country uh and and the idea of great instruction was never 30 kids sitting at desks staring at textbooks or textbooks for six seven hours a day um that was never good instruction right they they, they would read um, they would do some hands-on activities. They would talk to their neighbor. They would have conversation. They would in- engage in dialogue, and so I think the idea that now that same type of content is delivered digital- digitally, um, it shouldn't change what good instruction looks like. Good instruction should still incorporate hands-on activities. It should still incorporate getting out of your seat. It should it should still incorporate dialogue with your your peers and your teachers. And so. Um, you know, I, I think that's absolutely a balance, but not one that I think is an inherent issue specific to digital content. Uh, I think that's more of a, a pedagogical issue that, that we should tackle, we should constantly tackle, and we should always be tackling. Um, I think in our perspective, there's just a different way to deliver some of that core content and some of those, those supplemental materials, and that's digitally. Um, but that should always be mixed with what we know about good instructional practice. Uh, you know, I give you one other example, like science tech Book, for example, like we have, uh, you know, we have hands-on science kits, uh, that we ship along with it. Um, the, the other thing that we do to your question about like, kind of how do we manage that we actually have some pretty cool partnerships and I'll, I'll just give you one example. Uh, we actually work with 3M on the young scientist challenge. And so, you know, kind of taking all that learning off the screen and putting it into practice, uh, with hands-on activities. And in the Young Scientist Challenge, students actually develop a prototype of, of something that uh, you know has a problem to solve, whether that's clean water, or whether that's you know energy in, in an area that uh, it's hard to get energy to. Um, and then what's really cool about that is is ten finalists from the Young Scientist Challenge work with a three M Young Scientist to kind of bring that to life. And then once a year, we actually go to the Innovation Center uh, in Minnesota and, and and have the Young Scientist Challenge. So. For us, it really is about what does good instruction look like? Certainly, we believe that we can deliver a lot of instructional materials digitally, um, but that certainly doesn't mean students should be staring at screens six,
1: seven hours a day. Right, right. Well, hopefully, they will be able to have that uh, event in person. And if not, I guess they can. Yeah. Actually, right? <laughs> that's, that's, we,
0: we've, yeah, we've yeah we figured out how to do a lot of things virtually. Uh, but yeah,
1: I, let's let's hope things get back to normal for sure. From a from a corporate perspective, has has this changed any um, horizons or, or, or timelines in terms of uh, product developments? You know, for instance, I know I've seen a lot of discovery uh, content being optimized to be projected in a classroom, right? Um, versus being on the tech screens uh, on the other tech book screens any any thoughts there of of different ways in which to deliver content because of this and even if we kind of go back to a new normal are you noticing any um innovations that are happening out of this uh emergency um that you might be able to adopt in the future
0: yeah, so I think we're, we're certainly uh, being responsive to the environment we're in, uh, which is kind of this hybrid blended uh, remote learning approach uh, to teaching and learning. Uh, I think, you know, so to your, to your first question, certainly we're, we're innovating around some of the tools and resources we think we can provide to support those. Uh, you know, what comes to mind are things like we, we just um, created a, a series of micro learnings uh, around remote teaching strategies, um, how to communicate effectively with parents in a remote learning environment, those types of things. Uh, and so we're constantly thinking through, like, what can we do right now to support our, our district partners and our teachers? Uh, but at the same time, to your, to your point about how does this affect corporate strategy? I think one thing, this has got us extremely focused. Um, so we're looking at it through the lens of how do we make sure that our platform has the most utility in this environment, but also beyond. I think, you know, I, I'm not convinced that we get "Quote unquote, back to normal anytime soon." Uh, I I think the reality is, you know, I've read through over the weekend. I read through Maryland's recovery plan. Um, You know, I've read the AEI report on what they, what, what kind of school, quote unquote, school looks like uh, as we get kind of back to normal. Um, And I, and I think the reality is there's, there's a lot of thinking around what does hybrid learning look like. Um, And so, uh, I think the innovations that we put in place today will will constantly be looking through the lens of like what does this mean in a hybrid environment in a remote learning environment as well as an in-person environment which has historically been our sweet spot um you know it it kind of reminds me you know kevin and you you and i have been around education long enough uh i was actually in a school um on 9 11 and i remember uh, yeah. quite literally being i mean I was, in, I was in a middle school that day um kind of saw it unfold one of the outcomes of that was was every school, at least in the state of Pennsylvania at the time, um, had to create their their disaster recovery plans uh, and, yeah. and had to submit those to the state and those types of things. You know, it, it's not to me, it's not unreasonable to think you know schools are going to have to plan around remote learning, hybrid learning events. Uh, what does this look like if it if it kicks up again uh, in a second wave? Uh, and so I, I would expect that we'll continue to innovate around those solutions to make sure that we're we're ready to support them. Uh, as they get to those places, potentially.
1: All right. So here's another question. You know, every day I have four or five different surreal moments. Like, am I really thinking this? Am I really asking this question to myself? <laughs> but I, I guess I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask it to you anyway. I mean, uh, I just saw a, a statistic where 40% of parents uh, said that they would not allow their children to return to school if there were. You know, social distancing measures, or, or uh, many number of reasons, but there are a lot of people who are not thinking about putting their kids back in school, specifically into public schools. Uh, so there are some private um, institutions that are also thinking that way. Um, and you have the emergence of online schools. Um, from your perspective, does that change thoughts on again on on, on kind of corporate strategy? I mean, is if you're going, you know, to offering these through a school district. Um, do you also offer to individual institutions and would there possibly in the future be some sort of um, homeschool option?
0: Yeah, so so we actually, we, we actually cover those gamuts today. Uh, and so when we designed our services, <clears throat> so from a delivery perspective first, when we designed our services, we actually do think in the lens, um, and this is probably partly because we've been doing this for so long, um, in you know what does this look like if it's if one teacher has a computer i mean kevin you know like when we started this you were happy if there was one internet connection in the front of the room and right. a way to project that content somehow to 30 kids absolutely uh so we still think through that lens and say like what does this look like in a one-to-many environment what does it look like in in a, in a small group environment and then what does it look like in a one-to-one environment We've kind of always thought through the technology side. Um, You know, we're not app-based. We've always been through the browser. Um, We we made that conscious decision because we didn't want to be limited to one platform. So uh, as long as you can bring up a browser on any device, we're reactive to it and responsive to it. Um, So I think for us, we've always tried to be kind of where the end user wants to consume uh, our our resources. Uh, And then, you know, from the type of school, uh, you know, today we, we, we work across those gamuts. So we work in public schools because we have such broad distribution. I think we're pretty fortunate. Um, you know, we work in large districts. Uh, as you know, we work in small districts, we work in single schools. Uh, we, we actually have um, uh, we're, we're part of the homeschool buyers co-op. So we already do provide services to homeschoolers. Uh, so I think, you know, from our perspective, we've always wanted to be uh, a resource that could be utilized by educators and students kind of wherever they were, whenever they were. Uh, I think we'll continue that focus. So I don't think it changes our corporate strategy. Um, I think it just refines it. And, and it gives us um, kind of real life examples to look at that lens to look through and start to apply those to our services. Um, as, I, as I was saying a little bit earlier, it, it, it does keep you focused. And I, and I think that's the, you know, that, that was the, that's where I think we did, um, you know, not to toot Discovery Education's so horn too much, but like, I think that's where our organization did a really good job early on. We stayed focused on our response. We didn't try to be everything to everybody. Um, you know, we do digital content really well. We do professional learning really well. We, we doubled and tripled down in those areas to provide those supports, uh, and I think you'll continue to see that. Um, you know, we at the same time we know who we, we aren't right. Like getting broad brand to every every home with with a student in it in this country is an incredibly uh, important conversation to have across this country. Yeah. Um, but that's not who we are right Like we're not a broadband company right. um, So we can certainly voice our opinion, we can get involved, we can advocate for it, but we're not going to solve that. We're not a hardware provider. Um, so I think you know to, to the old good to great uh, we want we want to be great at a couple of things and, and what we really focus our time and efforts on is is the, the best content
1: in the world uh, and professional learning opportunities to, to utilize and engage students. That being said, one trend I, I've noticed over the past couple of weeks are some, some odd partnerships where six months ago you wouldn't have seen those two companies coming out and making a joint announcement in terms of what they were doing. I've seen a lot of um, digital e- equity advocates really banging the table and saying, you know, this is the moment, uh, if there ever was a moment, to get that device to every kid and have, you know, broadband to every kid, uh, and maybe see some of the telecoms step up. Uh, and they have, actually. I mean, there, there are a number, I mean, just like with uh, a lot of the curriculum services offering and, uh, free free content up to a certain point before you know it will go back behind the wall. Uh, companies like uh, Google offering their platform with all their advanced uh, features uh, for a certain amount of time so everybody can get up and running uh, playing around. One of my pandemic, uh, hobbies is learning how to use my smart TV. And I was thinking, it's like, well, why wouldn't I be able to use my smart TV to pull up my local school district login information to see my kids' homework, you know? So there are a lot of, uh, potentials there. I mean, is that something that might be in, um, consideration with you guys?
0: Yeah. Uh, Yes, uh, and so so one of the things that we have done, uh, and we we've, we've just done this again in the last forty five days in response to COVID nineteen, uh, was we actually cleared um, a subset of our content, and made it available to schools to utilize on their broadcast stations. Um, so some oh, no, some school districts have partnerships with the local PBS stations. Some school districts have access to, to different channels within their, their cable companies, uh, and so we work with with our you know with with Discovery Communications. Um, And actually cleared a bunch of broadcast rights, uh, which is more challenging than I'm sure people think, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, to to make those available. And it it was, you know, it was so how do we reach kids in places that might not have great broadband? Uh, And so that's been a pretty cool experience for us. I I was actually surprised, um, pleasantly surprised at the response to that. Um, We had a lot more people interested in that than, than maybe I originally thought we would. Um, and it was just another avenue, to your point, to make our content available in ways that uh, are more accessible to our end users. So we'll, we'll continue to think through that. We actually, um, uh, we, we actually just hired uh, a gentleman named Jason Ediger who was uh, at Apple for 15 years uh, as, as our leader in, in our marketing team. Um, and so as you can imagine, he's pushing us pretty hard to get on Apple TV. Uh, so yeah, right. you know, all those things, I think, are pretty cool things to look at. And, and it goes to your point of like, how, how do we just become more accessible?
1: Well, that's great scott hey i really appreciate your time today and uh yeah I, no you too
0: my, I, I hope i can i hope i can see a game yeah, soon. Yeah. <laughs> I, hope,
1: I hope we'll see you down at the link this fall i we won't have to social distance so yeah no so kidding. once again thanks for the conversation and thanks everyone for listening this is remote possibilities bye